Welcome to the Mojo Maker for Women in Tech podcast, where you will learn career strategies and techniques to help you break down barriers, make more money, and thrive in your tech life at work and at home. Technology has never been more mission critical to our online stay-at-home world, and you are the key to its success. You'll hear from diverse women in tech as well as experts who share both personal and professional strategies so you can transform your work and your workplace from the inside out. I'm Karen Morstel, former Silicon Valley tech leader and serial CISO for iconic brands like AT&T Wireless, Microsoft, and Russell Investments. I hope you will join me in my mission and message of resilience and transformation to make an inclusive and equitable tech industry. If you find this show helpful, please leave us a like and share it. And don't forget to hurry over to createyourleadingedge.com to join innovative and affordable group coaching for women in tech on your terms. And now on to Mojo Maker for Women in Tech. You know that moment in the original Wizard of Oz movie where the shift from black and white to full color happens? My guest today is a popular health and wellness coach who speaks frequently to major tech audiences. Dr. Heather Denniston knows a thing or two about balance and living a full color life. Please join us for this highly energetic and inspiring conversation about taking the small steps that get big results and help keep you in your best shape to live your best life. Hey everyone, welcome back to Mojo Maker for Women in Tech. And today I have with me my good friend and colleague, Dr. Heather Denniston. She's a seasoned chiropractor with an additional certification as a wellness chiropractor. She's an NASM trained certified personal trainer, avid athlete, health enthusiast, and a writer who has a passion for inspiring people of all ages to ignite the first step toward their personal best. If you're like me, you get so focused on work and work kind of demands it of you, it's very easy to forget that part of your job is taking care of yourself. So we're going to get some inspiration today from Dr. Heather. Is that how I should call you, Dr. Heather? Please, or just Heather, whatever is fine. Okay, perfect. (laughs) Welcome to the show. Well, thank you so much, Karen. It's a pleasure to be here. And I love your podcast and I love what you're doing. And I just appreciate the message you're putting out there. So thank you for having me. Thank you for being here. We all need to hear from you. And I have to say, I I have downloaded your three-day restart yep. and, and am very inspired. I'm going to go grocery shopping after the podcast <laughs> is over. Fantastic. But I want to share a little bit of that inspiration with everybody who's listening today. So you were a chiropractor for 25 years, and then you left that to move into what you're doing now. And you do a lot of presenting to corporate clients, including really big, huge software companies up in Redmond (laughs) and consulting work. So can you share a little bit about that? Yeah, you bet. I, as you mentioned, was a chiropractor and I still see a few patients in my living room, but I left brick and mortar practice and it came on the heels of a sort of a discovery, I guess I would say, after, you know, 20 years of practice and centered in area where we had several big corporate headquarters, I found that I was 
working with patients and they didn't even have to tell me where they worked. I could tell them where they worked based on the tension, tightness and stress in their bodies. And I realized, you know, a lot of these folks want to be well. They come in thinking, yeah, I want to exercise. I want to eat right. I want to have a mindful practice. And they do it for a couple of weeks and then they fall off and it would be frustrating. And it was not from lack of effort or trying. It was because they were missing some basic foundational principles in understanding how to optimize our bodies. And so I thought, you know what, I want to cast my net a little wider and help a a greater population of people. And so I handed the keys over to two lovely sisters from Wisconsin who are still practicing in my office, their office now. And I went out and started working with coaching and consulting presenting and writing. And that's where I've been the last three or four years. How did you get started on this personal journey of fitness? I mean, I can see from all of the materials that I've read that you've shared with me, just from talking with you, that this is a lifestyle for you. So you're clearly passionate about this and you don't just talk about it, you live it. Can you tell us a little bit more about that? Yeah, you bet. That would start with me bawling my eyes out in a shower in my crappy college dorm room when I was about 21. And I had, well, let me back up. When I was nine, I grew like a Mastiff puppy, six inches in one year. (laughs) And I was a competitive gymnast and Mastiff puppies do not do back handsprings on the beam. So that was tricky. I had to quit. And I instead focused on what I called my other sport, which was competitive binge eating. And I consumed insane amounts of food. I was not well policed by my parents. And by the time I hit my second year of college, I was about 235 pounds and no turnaround in sight. And so there I was standing in the shower and I was not only overweight, it really had very little to do with the weight. The weight was a sign of an underlying issue. And I had other signs too. Early onset arthritis, I had IBS issues, I had Raynaud's, I had a thyroid issue. And I'm like, at 21, are you kidding me? I've got all this going on and I'm still so young. And so I realized I am going to need to take my health on as a priority project. And if I'm going to turn this Titanic of health problems around, I'm going to, I'm going to need to study. I'm going to need to figure this out. And so I did. I went to chiropractic school. I became a personal trainer. I took an advanced degree in uh, what's called a certified wellness practitioner program. And between all of that and working with patients and working with myself personally, I was able to turn it around and definitely learned a lot of the foundational principles along the way of how to truly optimize for long-term, not just short-term, not a 21-day this or a 30-day that, but long-term transformation and optimization of health. And that was my journey. I love that. And I want to make sure that we get to some of the things that you have come up with that make it easier for people like me. And I'm sure many of the people who are listening to the show today to implement some of the the stuff that you're talking about. But before we get there, what is it that you, you set as the foundation? So I'm sure people come to you from all different levels of fitness or lack of fitness with a history of experiences, perhaps a history of disappointments. If you're like me, you've gone up and down and gotten really fit and gotten really focused on fitness and then gotten really focused in a startup and (laughs) it kind of doesn't stick. You probably do something, I'm guessing, with your clients that sets that foundation so that they can make this long-term shift. 
Yeah, absolutely. One of the first usually breaks the initial sort of groundwork that we lay. One of the main points of it is to discover a deeply moving wellness driver. And I'll share a story about that. I was working at a small offsite for Microsoft and there I was tasked with helping this team discover their own personal wellness why. And it's a process of what I call whying down. And so if I asked you, Karen, why do you want to be well? You'd have like, well, because I want to be healthy but we need to dig deeper than that. So we were going through this process of winding down and everybody's like heads down, pencils on paper. And there was one person, this gal, Julie, at the end of the table, and she's just looking around. And so I went over to her and at the top of her very blank piece of paper was to be healthy. And I said, Julie, but why? And she said, uh, cause I want to be active. I said, but why? Because I want to be independent, but why? And suddenly pencils were down and all eyes were on us. And we went through this wind down process and all of a sudden her whole face changed and she paused and she looked at me dead in the eye. And she said, because I don't ever want to tell my two grandsons, Noni can't do that. I said, Mm -hmm. and so now that deep driver that she's very consciously aware of gets her out of bed at five o'clock in the morning for her walk. And it's not just fitness, it's it's mindfulness and how we eat and how we have relationships and all of those things play into our wellness. And if we don't understand why we want to be well, it's very easy to get thrown off track. That's a very insightful, fundamental practice, I think, is like, what are we doing this for? And That's very thought-provoking, and I do think a lot of us just say, well, because I've got a closet full of clothes that I need to fit into. (laughs) Another thing that happens too, Karen, is that I call it should versus good. We have a lot of should goals. We, Well, I should lose weight because that's what you're supposed to do when you're overweight. I should work out because that's what everyone tells me to do. And and instead of good goals, which comes from deep within, find out what if losing 25 pounds is not deeply moving for you for whatever reason, then that's maybe not a goal for you. So we have to kind of delineate that difference between should and good goals. Right. Oh, wow. That makes so much sense. And you know, honestly, this was not so much of an internalized goal for me, just sharing a little bit of personal perspective. But when I was working at Microsoft and I became kind of a regular over at the gym, the real motivator for me was I had just learned that both my parents had Alzheimer's. Mm-hmm. And I was like, you know what? That is what I don't want, mm-hmm. right? Sometimes a don't want is a bigger motivator than the want, right? Yeah, it definitely it definitely can be. And also we can always turn it into a positive. I mm-hmm. want to be cognitively sound and optimized at 80. Right. And so, yeah, it definitely, that is the start of a wellness driver for a lot of people is I don't want to end up like whatever, yeah. X, Y, Z. Whatever that could be. Yeah. 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 It's good to have uh, Jordan Peterson, Dr. Jordan Peterson. He has some very interesting things he talks about when he talks about the motivators for us and how it's really important to have the positive. Mm-hmm. But when you combine the positive thing that you're going to with the negative thing that you want to avoid, those two things combined becomes incredibly powerful. I so, love that. That's awesome. Yeah. I mm-hmm. need to work on that one. <laughs> so, I've done this, I'm sure others who are listening have, is 
tried the different kinds of food plans, tried to figure out what works with your body, try to figure out what a fitness routine should be. And then it works great for a, maybe a month. And then something trips it up and you kind of fall back and have to start over again, which is really frustrating and discouraging. So talk a little bit about that. Why does that happen to us? Mm-hmm. And what can we do about that? Well, there's certainly lots of different answers we could provide there. That One, obviously, being that we understand that internal motivation is great for short term, but relying entirely on motivation isn't necessarily going to get us to the long-term goal. So we have to have a framework in place. We have to have good understanding of habit science. But the one thing that I found that a lot of my clients and patients were missing was what I call a sound and well-curated wellness pit crew. Have you ever watched the movie uh, Ford versus Ferrari? I have not. Okay. Well, I, I didn't before this movie knew anything about NASCAR or car racing or anything, but there's a pit crew and there's only five guys allowed over the wall and they all have a very specific job. And I, after the movie was over, I looked it up. I'm like, how do you become a pit crew person? You go to school. There's like a, there's a certification for it. And one of the jobs is this. It's a guy. He jumps over the wall. He has a little tray. He holds it under the gas nozzle as the gas is being put into the car and catches drips. That is his entire job. And so it related back to this concept of a wellness pit crew where we need to consciously and regularly think about who is our wellness support team. And yes, it should include your chiropractor or massage therapist, or your psychologist or your naturopath or the professionals, trainer, physical therapist, but it should also include just a little bit of support from just the regular people. And so I'm sorry, can I tell another story? Sure, of course, please. Stories are great. Well, I had a patient and her name is Linda and she came in and she'd been with me for a long time and she was high level executive and she had this look on her face. I said, what's going on? And she said, I need you to help me with my lip. I said, Linda, I'm a chiropractor, so I'm not really too sure what it is that you would like me to do. And she said, no, 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 my Linda improvement plan. I said, well, tell me more about that. And she said, look, I've spent the last 20 years pushing a career raising two boys and somewhere along the line, I completely lost myself. I do not recognize who I see in the mirror. And I've tried to make the changes only for them to last and then fall off within a few weeks. And she said, I've realized I need a team. I said, that's awesome. Let's put a team together. So we took her uh, physical therapist, Reed, and her trainer, Derek, and myself. And the key position, actually, after six months, when she reached her goals, she said the one person that probably mattered the most on my pit crew was Lucy, who had the cube next to her, who she hardly even knew, whose only job that she was tasked with by Linda was to kind of slide up over the cube on Monday mornings and say, Linda, did you hike on Saturday? To hold her accountable for that. So designing and developing a a well-curated wellness pit crew and being conscious about it and revisiting it at least twice a year to go, who is my team that's helping me be well? And frankly, Karen, we are in a time right now where if we weren't depleted before, we certainly are with everything that's gone on this year. We need support. We need to be able to ask for it and we need to consistently lean into it. That is fantastic advice. And it takes a little more effort to do it now because we don't just have somebody on the other side of the partition. Right. And we are going to have to put in the extra effort. I think it sounds like it's it's so worth it. I love that idea of a pit crew. Yeah. And you know what, what's good about You're absolutely right. And I mean, so like my 
psychologist is on telemedicine. Now my physical therapist will meet me on a Zoom call if I want. And so there's Unfortunately, yes, belly to belly is obviously much better when we're meeting in person and we get in their energy and, and that, but we do have some options and there's so many free options out there now for trainers and yoga classes and mindfulness and apps and all of those kinds of things where we can curate a really, really supportive team of folks. Yeah. And I think scheduling it, like, you know, it's one thing to be in the office so that somebody can kind of check in on you on Monday. But what if you had a check-in phone call that you knew was going to happen every week? That might be one way to kind of deal with that. I Before we get into the, the next question that I have for you, I had a huge aha last week. I just want to share with you around this because for those of us who are like in the knowledge industry or it's what we're valued for and what we're rewarded for is what we know, what we can produce by what we know and the way we solve problems and the way there's all of that that goes into it. And I think we tend to get very focused on reperforming the activities for which we get rewarded, right? And I was listening to an audiobook by Clarissa Pinkola Estes. She's a Jungian psychotherapist here in Denver. And I just love her name for one thing. I love to just say it. But the, <laughs> the, the stuff that she teaches, her audio recordings are really quite phenomenal. And one of them is called The Joyous Body. And she makes this point in the audiobook that we we do come to this earth, right, as a soul having embodied experience, right? And the body is, we might think of all the things that our mind does and our spirit does, but the the fact is that our body is the consort. It is the beloved consort that makes us able to do anything in this physical world. Do you know what I'm saying? Oh, yeah. And we're not really, until something starts to go wrong with it, we're not super conscious of the incredible miracle of this body that we have. And we're certainly not really, we're not immediately penalized, it seems like, and we're not really rewarded for paying attention to it. So I think what you're talking about here are a number of ways that we can sort of start to think about our physical body as such a critical component of us being able to do anything at all with our mind and our spirit. And and start to think of it more carefully as something of value that we really, really need to take care of. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. That is beautiful. Well, she says it so much more eloquently than I do, but uh, (laughs) I highly recommend that if it's really, it's really an interesting audio. So my question along the same, the same line, right. Is that, and I remember this at Microsoft, when you're in that, intensity of all of the things that you have to get done. And that's what's really in front of you and reinforced to be in front of you. It becomes kind of a, what do I have to do in order to perform? Mm -hmm. What do I have to do in order to get myself through this crunch? What do I have to do? And we so often, this is my biggest downfall. We so often reach for the quick hit. Mm -hmm. Like, whatever. For a a long time for me, it was a Twix bar. I don't do that anymore, thankfully. (laughs) You know, whatever, whatever your food of choice is or whatever your little, your munchy choice, you know, 
what is that bag of chips? So what is it about that, that why do we do that? And how can we, can we change it? Yeah, I think consistently, this is not an uncommon issue. It's more common than not. And it's, I feel like it comes a lot from the frenetic pace that we dispatch ourselves into. And so certainly becoming grounded, but I think the more we can focus on that, every single decision you make is leading you toward either a slow degradation that's uncomfortable and not very pleasant, or more toward a highly exciting and vibrant life. And so a lot of people don't think about that, you know, that open end bag of chips that you're staring down that's now empty on Sunday is going to affect how you communicate in the boardroom on Wednesday. And that tiny, consistent shifts can make a massive difference, much more than these like, oh my gosh, I've got to do something. So I'm going to do a 21 day, whatever. And it's very hard to stay consistent. So if there's any takeaway today, it's just a tiny shift, but made consistently an extra glass of water, a five minute breathing exercise, those kinds of things can really shift us away from that fight or flight response that we have when we're in this work environment that can be so, so stressful. And I think his name's going to come to me, but I'm going to start sharing his concept on stress. He talks a lot about how the more stressed we are, the more we're in our fight or flight space, the less conscious we are, the less intelligent thought we have, the less reasoning and logic we have. We go back to, I got to fight, flight, or freeze. And then we're just not thinking with our frontal brain. And so ideally, we want to just do things that push us back to parasympathetic. So breathing and just taking periodic, what I call docking stations through the day, where you're taking just little mini breaks that have a huge impact by the end of the day. So I think that's super, super key. And just remembering that each of those decisions that you make can lead you toward just a more expansive, more wonderful experience life. And that it's one decision at a time. And so like you were talking about going to the, you know, starting to go to the gym when you were working up in Redmond, it's tiny little shifts like that, that just really, really can impact us hugely and and provide longevity and lots of energy and, and what we're looking for. Yeah. Yeah. Boy, I do. I ever agree with you there. And it's just the simple things, like you said, like drinking water, breathing, (laughs) taking a mental break. Those kinds of things can make such an enormous difference. And I can very easily relate to your thing about, for me, it wasn't a bag of chips. I've never been a bag of chips person, but I could be almost a two pint of ice cream person. Yeah, sure. Right. But your point about that affecting you by Wednesday is so true. So true. (laughs) People who maybe don't have the background don't realize that that biochemical impact of the argument you had or the nasty food that you ate or the too much alcohol or the, the workout you skipped, it's not an hour later, it's days later that you may still be impacted by it. And there's a a great story by an ultra marathoner, and I can't remember the name of his book right now, but he talked about how he went and trained with some of the running tribes that were removed from civilization. And he went and lived with them to train for his running. And in the first few runs, he fell grossly behind and he'd come up on them and they were sitting there waiting for him. And so by the third or fourth time that he came up upon them, he took the leader aside and said, 
said, oh my gosh, I'm so embarrassed. I'm so sorry that I'm keeping you all waiting. And the leader of this tribe just started laughing and everybody else started laughing. He said, oh, we're not waiting for you. We're waiting for our souls to catch up. And so they had this idea of when we run too fast, we have to stop and rest and allow our souls to come and catch up with us. And I love that. I thought it was so beautiful and a good reminder about that we are made to, for stillness and rest periodically through our day. And if we fight that, we're going against our own DNA. Wow, that is a powerful metaphor because from the standpoint of all of us, and I, I imagine you have your own experience with this, but driving yourself so hard, right? That's that idea of your body's outrunning even your spirit. Yes. Right? Yes. And at some point, there has to be a, a catch up. There has to be some kind of a reconciliation. And I know I've told my own burnout story in other places, but the, uh, I'm so I won't repeat it here, but the whole idea of drive it, drive it, drive it, drive it, drive it, and ignore all the signals that says, hey, hold on a second, you need to rest. At some point, your body will make you rest. Yes. And very often, it's not pleasant experiences, as I'm sure your personal story is, and and lots of people have very all sorts of everything, you know, again, back to chiropractic practice, migraines, chronic joint pain, fatigue, chronic illnesses, all those sorts of things, your body's going to say, I will shut you down in some way. Yeah, there has to be a way for everything to come back together. We're either going to do this hard, or we're going to do this easy. Yes. <laughs> In one of your other episodes, Dr. Astrick, you guys talked a lot about empathy, which I really loved. And I just wanted to add something to that because I think it plays here. And that is the concept that empathy turned inward is self-compassion. And I think with a lot of this frenetic pace, the inner bully, the that nasty voice about, come on, get it done. You need to do this. You know, it gets louder and louder and we have to practice consciously practice being kind to ourselves and understanding that lots of people go through this whole situation and then just having a mindfulness practice. And those are the three tools that Kristen Neff, who's just, I think the Mm self-compassion guru, she really expands on. And so having a self-compassion practice during this time where things are going so crazy as well, I think that's really important. Yeah. I love Kristen Neff's work and it plays really nicely too with another one that his TEDx Stanford talk is online and his name is uh, Shirzad Kamin and he writes about the positivity quotient and the fact that our brain actually is, we have what he calls the sage brain and the judge (laughs) brain. And we are 90% living in our judge brain most of the time. And that's the part of our brain that says, why can't you get out of bed? Why can't you hit that target? Why can't, you know, it's all of the, it's just the driver, that internal driver that's telling us how insufficient we are. Where the sage is the part of the brain that is basically says, you're magnificent. (laughs) And we don't live in the sage brain, but we can learn to move out of this, out of the judge and spend more time in the sage, which not only makes us kinder and more self-compassionate with ourselves, but makes us a lot more fun to be around with other people. 
that's so beautiful. And it, it reminds me of the data that's out there that I think we misunderstood for so long that, you know, self-flagellation is not a motivator. In fact, because it triggers fight or flight, it holds us back. And so self-compassion actually can help you reach your goals. (laughs) And I love that, that I'm going to definitely look that up, that sage brain, judge brain. I resonate with that a lot. Yeah, I'll send you the link. And I'll post it on the show notes too, for those who are interested. We use it a lot in everything that we do. And you know, this kind of gets into the next question I want to ask you before we come to the end of the show. I could talk to you forever. <laughs> and we certainly have more time here. But I this idea we talk about in the context of work that we do here in the Mojo Maker program about what is your fulfilling life? And I think you talk about that in the same kind of context as a full color life. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Can you talk a little bit about what your full color life analogy is? Yeah. Yeah, you bet. When I left practice, I felt like I had a very specific mission, and that was to drive this following point home. And it's this. In this presentation, I I put up this slide and it's a black and white photo of boys playing in a meadow, throwing a soccer ball up in the air. And it's super lovely. It looks like a fun Sunday afternoon and they're throwing the ball around. It looks very energetic. In the absence of anything else, you'd think pretty cool photo. Then I click to the next photo, which is actually the full color version of this photo, the blues, the green, the orange of the sky and the, the beautiful grass. And it is an explosive experience to see that up next to the black and white photo. And the concept is this, that insidiously, choice by choice by choice, we take our health in a direction that one of two things happens. Either we think, well, I'm 50. This is what life looks like. So we discount the opportunity to feel and live in a much more full color experience or we don't even realize we've shifted to a black and white version of our life. And so the idea is that, yes, I am all for making wellness decisions that help prevent cancer, diabetes, and heart disease, of course, but I am much more interested in how your eyes see a sunset and whether you have the energy to climb there to see it. And the idea of your daily minute by minute experience being so impacted again by what did you eat yesterday? Did you work out last week? Have you had a mindful practice this morning that that is playing into your full color or black and white experience right in this moment? That's what I get really jazzed about when we're talking about wellness shifts for people. Oh, that's, you know, the, such a vivid visual. Mm-hmm. It made me remember the scene from Wizard of Oz when they go from yeah. black and white in yeah. Kansas to full color in Oz. And back when that film was made, that must have been quite a startling shift. You know, that's, we kind of take it for granted that we have color like that now. But yeah, I can totally see that. Like you could be living your life in, not to use 50 shades of gray, but you know, yeah. <laughs> the rather lifeless, colorless version of it. And you're really kind of getting through the day versus this is full color living. Yeah. Full color. Yeah. yeah. And one of the things, so my role in what I do now is to kind of bridge that connection between personal well being and professional success. And often it's a deep, the initial step is a deprogramming of 
no, this, the experience you're having right now might be common for the age and stress level you're at, but it's not normal. And we can slowly make these shifts to expand out what your life experience is, give you way more like joy, playfulness, happiness, expression, all of those things that are available to us, even though we might think we've lost it. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. I love that so much. You have so many great resources available for people, and I am really excited about you making an offer for people who are listening to the show that there's a a free gift that they can get by connecting with you, and there's lots of ways for people to connect with you. So can you talk a little bit about that free gift? Yeah, you bet I will. So we talked earlier in the podcast about the deeply moving wellness driver. And I have a workbook for that that I want to give to your listeners. And so they just use the link. It'll pop the workbook into their email wherever their email is. And my encouragement is not that you just kind of look at it, but that you actually do it. And that when you've done it and you've come up with your wellness why statement, I want you to find me on Instagram, follow and then message me what your personal wellness why is. I will remain confidential, but it can be an accountability tool for you getting it done. And so I hope a bunch of listeners really enjoy that. They follow through on that. And I would love to be a part of that conversation with you. That's very cool. Thank. That's a great offer. I hope everybody will take you up on that. I'm going to take you up on that. <laughs> People can find you on Instagram under WellFit and Fed. Correct. And yeah. also on Facebook, WellFit and Fed. Yeah, I did my business early enough that I got well, fit, and fed across all platforms. So, which is really great. And I, I do have a, lots of great videos on YouTube and lots of presence on Facebook, but Instagram is a great place to reach me personally if you want to continue the conversation. Sure, sure. And also your podcast. Yeah. Which I adore. Oh, and it's the Junk You Should Know show. Yes. Right? So you can look up Junk You Should Know show. If you can always find her there and listen to the amazing episodes that you do with your guests. So yeah, I'm inspired and motivated and, and excited that you've helped me just in the time that we've talked together today. And I hope this is an experience that just, I'm sure that this is not limited to me, but this whole metaphor of living life in full color and not accepting Mm -hmm. and normalizing Mm -hmm. this kind of dim black and white life that we can sink into really when you're in the midst of so many demands, so many demands. And that is a goal, I guess, if we're going to emerge from this year that we're having, Mm -hmm. (laughs) we can all emerge in a full color life. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. The nice thing about this situation is for many, not all for sure, but for many, we've dropped so many of the balls we were juggling and church commitments and book club and sports and all of these things. And you're right. It's a really unique opportunity to redesign and to decide which balls you're going to pick up and which you are not. And so I think that's a really good point that you made that we are at a very unique time. Not, I mean, yes, there's negative to it, but there's also a really amazing silver lining, I think, to where we're at right now. Right. Mm-hmm. Well, at the end of the day, it is all our choice. Yes. <laughs> we are not as much the victims of circumstance sometimes as we want to believe we are. And for sure, taking that full responsibility for the outcome 
and choosing the outcome and going for it, I think is one way to take a time that's been pretty rough on people in many, many ways and turning it around into this is the time you get reacquainted with all of you, spirit and body in a whole new way. Mm-hmm. Yes, absolutely. I love it. Yeah, me too. Heather, thank you so much. I will put all of these links. They will go up on our show notes so people can find them there if they're looking for it over on the Buzzsprout webpage. And yeah, we'll look forward to talking to you again soon. And I will see you on Instagram. Yeah, absolutely, Karen. Thank you so much. I really appreciate and am very honored to be here. And I just thank you. Thank you. Thank you for what you do. Oh, well, thank you, Heather. Mm -hmm. It's great. Mutual admiration. We look forward to talking to you again soon. Yes. Be well. You too. That's it for today's show. Mojo Maker for Women in Tech podcast is part of the ecosystem of knowledge sharing and affordable group coaching to help reverse the trend of women leaving tech and to help diverse women in male-dominated industries get the visibility, opportunities, and compensation they deserve. Be sure to check out our five-day challenge by visiting us online at createyourleadingedge.com. Like what you hear? Subscribe, share, or leave a review wherever you listen to the show. We'll be back again next week. Be well, stay strong, and remember, be an ally. Be an ally.